Well, hey, good morning, Brookside. It is uh, great to be here together. My name is Jeff, one of the pastors here, and uh, yeah, what a privilege for us to join together in this uh, place today. You know, we've been on a, a special journey this year, and um, before we dive into our new two-part series this morning, I just want to kind of hit the pause button and reflect on that just a little bit. Um, that journey's been called 365, and uh, what we've been doing is we've been reading through the Bible together as a church. So clear back in January, uh, we launched this vision and said, hey, let's read through the Bible church cover to cover. We'll teach uh, on Sunday mornings out of the readings that either we've had that week or that we'll have in the week to come. And um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been so fun to see hundreds and hundreds of you sign up for that, stick with it. And today's a big morning, and I just want to congratulate you. We are through the Old Testament, and we're in now moving into the New Testament. And I know some of you want to clap because you've worked through the Old Testament, and yes, you can do that. Yeah, it's great. And the thing that's really neat, you guys, is that for some of you, that was the very first time that you've gotten this discipline into your life, and it maybe wasn't perfect, but you set out to read through the Old Testament, and you got it done. And I just want to say, uh, congratulations. I don't know of another discipline that bears more fruit in the life of a person than opening up God's Word on a daily basis. And so this morning also serves as a big invitation. It's a huge on-ramp morning for us. And so if you um, got one of these as you sat down uh, today, if you want to take that out, <clears throat> this is the reading plan that's going to take us into the next five months, um, through the next five months of 2016. This is going to take us all the way through the New Testament together. And so I want to encourage you, if you have never taken the time, like I'm seriously saying 15 minutes a day, to open up God's Word and say, Lord, would you speak to me? If that discipline hasn't been a part of your life, I just want to encourage you, would you join us? Would you, you can find the date where we're at, um, one to three chapters a day, and just see what God does. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of people over the years that maybe they were on a spiritual journey. They were seeking after God. They would have said, I, I'm not a follower of Christ. But they said, you know what? Yeah, someone maybe told them, recommended to them, why don't you read through the New Testament? And every time you read, just say, God, would you speak to me? I can't tell you how many people have done that and come back and have said, you know what? God did reveal himself to me. I, I know who he is now. And so I can't encourage you enough. Would you make that a part of your, your, daily, um, your daily habit? I think you'll, you'll be glad that you did. And then if the, receiving the audio of the Bible reading for that day is, is better for you, you can do that. Just follow on Twitter at 365 in 2016, and those will get pushed out to you um, every morning. You can get, get the audio if that works better for you. So let's do this. Um, this is a big deal, honestly. It's, made, it's been so cool to hear this story. Just this week, someone said to me, um, I was reading the Old Testament, and God revealed something to me that's so applied to my life right where I'm at. And that happens again and again and again. And so this morning, as we launch back into this kind of this new on-ramp into the New Testament, would you pray with me? And let's just say, Lord, would you bless these moments that we'll have individually, those 15-minute blocks, would you bless and would you guide those? So would you pray with me? And then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Um, as we've prayed, Lord, you are worthy of our praise this morning. And Father, Lord, we want to be the kind of people that we hear from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would stir in us. Lord, maybe someone for the first time would say, yeah, I'll give that a shot. Five, uh, five months, I'll say 15 minutes a day. Lord, what could you do in that? Lord, we know you could do so much. And so, Father, we pray that you would speak to us, Lord, that we would be the kind of people that revere you so well, that we honor you, Lord. So, Lord, lead that time, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, 
like many of you, our family is thoroughly enjoying watching the Olympics. Anybody else? Um, yeah, isn't it fun? I, I just got to tell you, it's inspiring. Um, I love watching the Olympics. I love seeing the best of the best athletes. I love seeing them get to the most high-pressure moments of their lives, right? The, the height of all competitions. And then seeing their, their, their skills and their talents on display, I mean, it's it's breathtaking. I mean, last night they were running faster than my car goes. I mean, it's, it's amazing what they can do. Now, you pull, though, these athletes together, and you ask yourself the question, what do they have in common? There's no doubt about it. I love it when they dive deeply into the stories of these athletes. But what you hear over and over again are things like this. They've got an incredible sense of focus. They've got self-discipline off the charts. Many of them are eating uh, only a certain diet to help fuel them and, and help them succeed. There are things that are core to who they are that they all have in common. Because one thing is for sure, no athlete this year got to Rio by chance. Not a single one. They share those things in common that got them there. You look at the scripts of their story, stories, and there are similarities threaded throughout. On the spiritual front this morning, turning a corner, I want you to think of the people that you esteem. You watch the Olympics, you esteem those athletes. You say, oh, it just motivates me to go out and try to somersault or something, you know? <laughs> On the spiritual front, who are the people in your life that you would say, I esteem that person's faith? That's a person that they've walked with God over a period of time, and throughout the years, I've seen them not grow cold to the things of God, but their heart has become more and more engaged with God. It's become softer, and their impact has not just saddled back and, you know, taken it easy, but it's, it's grown. They've impacted more and more people. Who are the people that you would say right now, think of them, that you would say you esteem spiritually? Now, there's no doubt about it. Just like an Olympic athlete, you pool those people together. Put that name in your mind. And there are some things that are very common amongst those people. Number one, we, we read this in, in Psalm chapter one. Those people, what, what's true of them? God's word, there's no doubt about it. It feeds their soul and it produces something in them because they're grounded in, in who God is. God's law, God's word, it speaks to them. You wed with that what we're gonna be talking about today and you've got two of the threads that we definitely see in the lives of people that we'd say, I esteem their faith. I'm looking at that. That's where I want to be. The thing that we're going to talk about this morning, that second piece is this. It's that they have a way of communicating with God. They have a prayer life. A person of faith would say this. They have what they might call a dynamic prayer life, meaning that they interact with God in such a way that they speak freely to God, and they also, they hear from God. But here's the thing. If you were to put together this group of people that you would say you would esteem on the spiritual front, there's not a one of them that wouldn't say, I want my prayer life to be even better. I'm actually not satisfied with where my prayer life is. I want to I grow in this area. In a year from now, I want it to be better than it is right now. I know this is true of me. There's much room to grow in this area. And that's why I'm so excited for this morning. Because we're going to be talking about prayer for the next two weeks. And our hope is this, is that you'll be able to walk out of here and you'll have the tools and the inspiration to go, you know what? I can have a relationship with God through prayer like I never dreamed that I could have. That you'll be able to have the tools for that. And so we're going to answer two very specific questions. Two questions that Jesus very intentionally, we see him answer in the Gospels. The first one is this, what do I pray? What specifically do I say? 
When you go to God, what are the words that should come out of your mouth? And the next week, Pastor Steve's going to tackle um, what does it mean? He's going to uh, what does it mean to be a person that's marked by a powerful prayer life? And so the question he'll answer is this: How do I pray? What is what exactly does that discipline look like? Now, the reason why I'm so excited about this morning is this: I believe that God looks at us, His children. And I believe he, he, God, you know, he, he knows that, wow, if we could have a dynamic prayer life, it would change so much for us. And what I love is what we're going to see in the scriptures this morning. It's as though Jesus cracks the code. You ever hear of an athlete that just says, you know what, once I started doing boom or X, Y, and Z, it just changed everything. I think this pattern that Jesus is going to give us on prayer this morning has the potential to change everything for us. It's like this flip, I think, is going to get switched on. It unlocks a whole new door for us as we walk with God. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start in Luke chapter 11, then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. And so it begins this way. If you have a Bible, turn there with me or just look on the screen. Verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 11 of Luke it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, I've got to tell you that just this one introductory verse, God nailed me with this. He kept whispering to me over and over the importance of this one verse. I wish we could do the whole sermon on this. I think we could do one. But here's the scene. Imagine this. The disciples are there, and they've seen Jesus. He has this standard procedure that he does over and over again. In Luke chapter 5, it says that Jesus oftentimes went away and he prayed. And so the disciples see this, and they, they watch Jesus' prayer life, and they know that he so values this intimate relationship that he has with God the Father through prayer that he keeps doing it. Not a one and done, but it's a constant thing. It's a pattern in his life. But they also know this. They know that when Jesus prays, things happen. They know that the deaf begin to hear. They know that the lame walk. They know that people get fed. They know as they watch Jesus pray and as they watch these prayers get answered, they know that God does incredible things as Jesus prays. And so they ask him this question out of utter humility. Lord, would you, would you teach us to pray? And I, we don't really know who was the one that was elected to go ask Jesus this question. We don't know if that person drew the, the shortest straw. We don't know if it was rock, paper, scissors or what it was. I wonder if it was this. I wonder if this disciple was just so compelled because he saw over and over again this pattern of Jesus going to be with his father, which would have modeled so much. But then he saw that God was answering his the prayers of Jesus in significant ways. And I wonder if this disciple said, I can't help it. I've got to know what he's saying. I've got to know. Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? I think it's helpful to know this, though. These Jewish men, that for them, prayer wasn't a foreign concept. They would have grown up praying prayers like the Shema and other prayers. Prayers that were common to them, prayers that they would have repeated over and over again. And so in a culture where prayer was not a foreign concept at all, there still was something happening in the life of Jesus and in his prayer life that they looked at it and they said, we want that. Jesus, what would it be like if you taught us how to pray? Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? I love their humility They go to him with this posture, Lord, we want to be your student. 
Bob Goff was a speaker that spoke at the Leadership Summit a few years ago, and, and um, he's a lawyer by vocation, a passionate follow Christ, follower of Christ. He wrote a book called Love Does, great book. And he, he said this, he said, when, when I'm coaching my clients, when they're going to sit before the judge and be deposed, or when they're in his office and, and he's going to be meeting with them, I always tell them this before they get cross-examined. I say, when you sit there, I want you to sit there and I want you to turn your palms up. And he said, if you turn your palms up, it'll just do something to the way that you speak. Try it the next time you're in a conversation. Clench your fists. You'll say things you don't want to say. Open your palms like this. It'll change everything. It changes your demeanor. And what, what, what the disciples are doing is they're saying this. They're saying, in humility, Lord, it's like they're coming with open hands. And they're saying, Lord, would you teach us? Lord, we're here today and we're your students. Here's the first thing. Maybe jot this down. The foundation for a vibrant prayer life is this. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture of humility. We're going to see this morning that, that Jesus is going to give these disciples eight at least areas where they could pray specifically. And here's where the power comes. If you take even just one of these eight and you wet it with this quality of being a person that is humble, that comes before God with open hands and says, God, would you teach me? I assure you this, arm yourself with humility and your prayer life is about to change. And so Jesus responds to these disciples and he doesn't give them just this, you know, kind of token answer that would have gotten them by, but he gives them this prayer that would mean so much to them. It's as though Jesus looked at them and he said, you know what, I want you to know the goodness of your heavenly father that I do. I want you to commune with him. And he looked at, you know, all of us, even his people, and he said, okay, there's, I'm, I'm going to fill that gap. I'm going to unlock that code today. I'm going to break it so that you can know how you can communicate with him. And so in Luke chapter 11, we see kind of the shorter version of this prayer. But when we get to Matthew chapter 6, it's as though Jesus even expounds on it a little bit more. If you're newer to faith or newer to church, it's called the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you grew up even saying it. And so here's what I want to do. I want to ask you to just read this along with me. Let's read this together. So here it is. We'll put it up on the screens uh, for you. Here it is. Let's say this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now just before this prayer, I've got to tell you that Jesus said something else to these disciples. He said, I don't want you to be the kind of people that you just repeat the same thing over and over again. He said, don't be babblers. He said, that's what the people that worship pagan gods do. They just mindlessly say the same words over and over again. He said, don't, don't do that. But instead, he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you this model prayer, and it's going to point you in different areas, and then you're going to know, okay, I pray those kinds of things, and I pray those kinds of things. And I think this morning, you'll be able to walk away, and you'll say, and I'm just going to ask of you, would you just, as we work through this prayer together, we're going to look at eight different directions Jesus points us to, and would you just say, okay, that's the one that's missing. Even if you just identify one and you say, you know what, I'm going to add that to my prayer. Coupled with humility, you're going to see your prayer life go off the charts. I love what Jesus does in this passage. He gives us such a clear picture. His first two words are critical. Let's dive into this. Here He says this. It starts off this way, very simply. He says, our Father. Let me ask you, have you ever had a, a DTR conversation in a relationship? DTR, not, not DUI, but DTR. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's the conversation that you have when, when you define the relationship. 
Um, I remember when uh, Christine and I had our first DTR conversation. I remember leaving that conversation and thinking to myself, wow, I, I feel much more strongly about her than she does about me, you know? But it was defining. It was a define the relationship conversation. And you know what it did? It changed everything. It helped me know if she's the one, I got to start playing my A game here. I got some work to do. When you define the relationship, it changes every single aspect of the relationship. The first two words that Jesus chose to use to define this relationship with you and I, so important. He said, our Father. Ephesians 2.18, it says that through Jesus Christ, we have complete access to God the Father. Complete access. Nothing that's withheld from us. Complete access to him. I was driving home from a, a birthday party um, at a friend of ours' home, and that uh, was for one of their little kids. And so it was just me with our three kids, 10, 8, and 6. And, um, and so we're in the car, and, and this picture party for a young child and just kids running all over the place. And as we were there, as I was eating um, with some friends around the table, the kids were kind of all playing, you know, out in the yard. And, and I was just kind of watching my kids a little bit, interacting with other kids, and and at one point, I even noticed, even out loud, I said, as people were kind of in another conversation, I noticed even out loud, I said, man, I love that kid. And so I got into the car then with them, and as we were leaving, I said, hey, kids, I just wanted to tell you, I got to watch you play a little bit tonight, interact with other kids, which I think they thought was kind of weird that I was watching them like that. But then I said to them, I said, I just wanted to tell you, I said, I couldn't help but thinking this, I love you guys so much. And I said, if I could pick any three kids in the world, I would pick you every single time. And I could tell they were so deeply moved because they just kept looking out the window of the truck with these blank stares on their face, meant nothing to them. And then it was affirmed to me that they were deeply moved because the oldest was sitting shotgun and he spoke up and he said, he said, you know, dad, he said, the reason that you, you love us so much and that you line up all the kids in the world and you pick us every single time, you know, and he went through the whole drill. He said, the reason that you say that is just because you're our dad. You don't have much choice. To which I said, you know, you keep that attitude up, but I won't pick you, you know? Um, I didn't say that. But, but here's the thing. As he was saying that, and the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what? I can't even argue with that. He's right. I'm their father. And that means something. It defines the relationship. And because I'm their father, I do look at them differently. I see them on a whole different front. Know this. When God sees you he sees you through Jesus Christ as his son. It means full access to the Father. It means that he sees you as a child. You might be here this morning and you would say, you know what, I feel like God has forgotten me. And I would just say to you this morning, notice how Jesus said, this is how you pray. This is the relationship. Here's how we're going to define it. Two so, such powerful words. Our Father. He has not forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten you, not a bit, and he knows you. He knows every single thing about you, and so Jesus, and I think the reason why we spend so much time on this first piece is because it frames the entire prayer. When we understand, God, you are our Father, it's a game changer. You know, I'm not, so, I'm not sure what's more fun watching the Olympics, if it's watching the athletes or if it's watching their parents. You know what I'm talking about? And so this week, I don't know if you saw this, but United States um, gymnast, gold medal winner, Allie uh, Raceman, she, 
Um, yeah, here's a picture of her. But her parents, they showed them this one clip of them, and they were demonstrating their engagement as, their, as her parents, their involvement in her life. So this is fun. Check, check this video out. parent acts that way, right? That guy acted like he was on a roller coaster, right? Here's the thing. Don't miss this. Jesus could have used any two words to describe how you and I address him, and he chose our Father. Our Father. Let me ask you, do you pray like that? Do you pray like God is that engaged? He's sitting on the edge of his chair. He's on his tiptoes for you. Do you pray as though he's your father? Or maybe a more basic question, have you received God as your father through Jesus Christ? Do you pray like that if you have? And don't miss this. It also says this. It says our father. It doesn't say just my father. And I think that's in there so that we just remember the vastness and the hugeness of who God is, that every tribe, every tongue, every single race, what a beautiful picture. We all call him father. Our Father. It's amazing. We don't call him genie. We don't call him bully. We don't call him Santa Claus. But Jesus said, when you talk to God, you say, Our Father. It's amazing. And then it just keeps going. It's just beautiful how this prayer comes together. The next two words are important. It says, Our Father in heaven. It's like it's this reminder that God is sovereign, that God is huge, that he is overall, that he's majestic. It's not as though we're talking to, hey, it's my good old daddy, and he's kind of like my paw, you know? No, no, no. It's not that at all. He is majestic. He is awesome. There is nothing out of his reach. There is nothing too great for him. Our Father in heaven And then these next two words are so fitting as they come right along behind that. Here it is. Hallowed be your name. Now notice where the focus is in this prayer. We're going to see that your name. We're going to see your repeated a couple times here. And it's, it's as though God is saying, I just want you to make sure that when you pray, your focus is in the right spot and it puts it right where it belongs. That our focus should be right on God the Father. You know, this was really helpful to me this week to, to think about this because I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I pray, I just go right to the races and I start talking about the day and all the things that I need help with. It's as though I'm kind of saying to God, God, I hope that you got up early too. I hope you had your double shot. I've had mine and we're going to run. We got a lot of ground to cover, meetings back to back, decisions to make on my important little life. But it's as though God says, no, no, I don't want you to pray like that. It's not just about you. Hallowed be your name, God. It frames everything. I think it slows us down and goes, okay, it gives me some perspective. Hallowed be your name. And let me just say this this morning. If you came from a bad family experience and this whole idea even of our father is confusing and hard for you to get your mind around, 
because any, if any word would not come to mind, hollow would be your father's name, right? Maybe your father was not a good father, or maybe your father was completely absent. I just want to assure you this morning, every picture that we get of God the Father, it is good. He is holy. He is set apart. He is pure in every single way. He is a good father. In Isaiah chapter 6, it gives us this picture of, of these angels, and they're gathered around God, and they're in the presence of his holiness, and his holiness is so great that they just cover their faces, and then they say over and over again, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. And they just proclaim it again and again and again, hallowed be your name. When we pray, I think Jesus wanted us to know on the front end, remember, remember who you're praying to. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the reason why the relationship is so special and so intimate is because it's not casual. It's not cavalier. Hallowed be your name. Philip Yancey, he put it like this in this great book on prayer that he wrote. And he said this, the main purpose of prayer is not to make life easier, not to gain magical powers, but it's to know God. I need God more than anything else, than anything I might get from God. Back to our question this morning. When I pray, what do I say? We're halfway through. Number four, here it is. Verse 10 says this. When you pray, say, say this in, in this category now. Again, you just don't have to repeat the prayer over and over again. There's nothing wrong with that, but he's giving us categories. The next one is this. Your kingdom come. It's as though you're saying this, it's as though you're saying, Lord, would your rule, would your reign, would the way you would do things, would that come right here, Lord, your kingdom come. I believe it's a declaration. I believe it, if anything in this prayer is like this, this symbol of open hands before God, Lord, your kingdom come. It's right here. Your kingdom come. Imagine praying that over your school. Imagine praying that over your workplace. Imagine praying that over your family. Lord, would your kingdom come? As it is in earth, as it is in heaven, would it be here on earth? Church, historically, think of what a crucial point we're at to pray this kind of prayer. Lord, would your way, Lord, would your kingdom come here? Lord, would you do what we don't even think is possible? But Lord, would your kingdom come? And then I love these next words, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray those words, your will be done, that's a risky prayer, isn't it? That's the kind of prayer that you, you got to have some trust factor there, particularly if you're in a situation where you don't like what's happening. When you pray, Lord, Lord, your will be done in a situation that you long for it to change, that's a big prayer, but what you're doing is you're saying, God, I trust you. And I believe the reason this morning why you can still pray, Lord, surrender, your will be done. I believe you can do it because of these two words on the front, our Father. I heard this story this morning, actually, about this young girl that was on a plane. And in this plane, if you've ever been on a, a plane ride like this, it was one where uh, turbulence was just crazy. Up and down and big drops and up and down. I mean, it was just a horrible plane ride. And this person sitting next to this young girl watched this girl so calm through the whole thing. It was kind of blowing her mind. And so she gets off the plane and she says to the young girl, she says, hey, that was the worst plane ride I've ever been on in my life. I was scared to death. She says, how is it that you were so calm 
And the young girl said, oh, my father's a pilot. She said, I knew it would be okay. When you realize, when you get that fact that it's our father, when those two first words, they sink into you, it allows you to be able to say, okay, Lord, because you're my father, I will trust you even if this doesn't go away. God, I will walk, I'll step into the unknown even though I don't know where it will take me, Lord, because you're leading me. Lord, your will be done as it is in heaven. Would it be true here on earth? It's easy, I think, to pray my will be done, isn't it? But it's a whole other thing when we say, Lord, your will be done. And when we do, we move straight to the heart of God. Church, it's the reason why we do things like send people to Turkey in a few weeks. It's because we're saying, Lord, would your kingdom come in that place? It's the reason why unashamedly we put a ton of energy into the next generation here because we believe they're the bearers of the gospel and so we want to be the kind of church where we say we're going to pour into those things. Why? Because we want the kingdom to come in their life. It's the reason why we do things around our city. We want to see God's kingdom come here. And then he goes right on. This is so cool. Verse 11. I love this. Here it is. Give us today our daily bread. It says, though Jesus wanted his disciples and he wanted you and I to know, if you have a need, share it. Psalm 62, verse 8, it says, pour out your heart to God. Don't leave anything unsaid. He cares for you. Remember, this is a father. He's engaged. He's in love with you. And so, God, would you bring me my daily bread? Give us today our daily bread. If you have a need for a miracle in your life, pray a miracle-sized prayer. He's God, and he's your father. He'd love to meet it. And particularly when you pray it under that umbrella of, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The apostle Paul said it so clearly. He said this. He said, in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Present your request right to God the Father. One of the most faith-building things that you can do is to see God answer your prayers. I was praying a very specific uh, prayer for our church a couple of months ago, a need we were having. And God answered that prayer. And in the timing and in the manner in which he answered that prayer, I tell you what, I won't forget where I was when I heard the answer to that prayer for a long, long time. It built my faith. Give us our daily bread. You can bring your request before God. And then he keeps going, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I think this is just this reminder. If you're forgiven, God is calling you to be a forgiver. So if God has forgiven you, if you're a child of God and you've received his grace and his mercy and his love, I think God, maybe this morning the Spirit just prompts you to think about, okay, who's the person I haven't forgiven and what would it be like if instead of carrying around the baggage of my unforgiveness for that person, what would it be like if I just gave them to God and I said, God, I forgive them. That doesn't mean that wisdom and boundaries and anything else, that, 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 that you throw those out the window, but it means that if somebody has wronged you, you can release that to God. You can give that to him. It means this, if you've been reconciled, I think God calls you to be a reconciler. And then verse, and then he keeps going. Verse 13, I, I love this. He says this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It means this, Lord, don't let me just mindlessly slip into the, the desires of the evil one. 
It's this acknowledgement, okay, I know there's an enemy out there that would love to destroy my life, and so God, I'm asking you for the strength and the wisdom and the grace to walk with you. And so God, would you give me that, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but then, Lord, when I am tempted, Lord, would you deliver me from that? Again, eight different things. Which one of them this morning would you say, you know what, if I coupled that with humility, oh, God, you would change my prayer life. Which one would God lead you to this morning? Here's what I want to do. Here's how we're going to close. We're going to take communion this morning. And um, communion is just a beautiful time for us as a church to be able to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and how his death and his life and his resurrection changed everything for us. And so if you're a follower of Christ, it invites you to, to please take communion with us here. Celebrate with us. But here's how I want us to prepare for communion um, this morning. We're going to put that entire prayer back up on the screen. And uh, let's even just do that right now. And here's what I, I want you to do. I want you to read through this prayer just on your own. And then I just want you to go back and just ask God, Lord, is there one piece of this this morning that you want me to focus on? Is there just one part of this prayer, Lord, that you want me to, to pray even now in these next moments? And so maybe for you, it, you would say this, it's the section of our, this is one word, our. You'd say, I need to be reminded of the vastness and the greatness of who God is. Or maybe it's the word Father. Maybe it's for the first time this morning that you would just say, okay, God, you are my Father through Jesus Christ. I can be forgiven. Or maybe you need to remind yourself this morning that you have full access to God. And like a parent, he is on the edge of his chair, concerned about your life. Or maybe for you this morning, it's a different word. Maybe it's the phrase, hallowed be your name. And you just need to go to God and say, Lord, I want to live in reverence to you. I haven't been doing that. And so, Lord, I want to live reverently and respectfully and honorably to you with my time and my money and my schedule, everything about my life, my relationships. God, I want to revere you. Um, or maybe for you this morning, it's your kingdom come. Maybe you'd say, I've built my own empire. I worked really hard to build it. But maybe today you would say, you know what? I built it for me. And you would say, God, you gave me these gifts and these talents. And God, now I want to take these and your kingdom come. God, I want to build your dream for my life. Or maybe it's this word right here that I think is so powerful, forgiven. Maybe you just need to hear this morning that you can be forgiven through Jesus Christ. Or maybe today you would say, you know what, I haven't gone to God in prayer in a long time and just confessed and said, Lord, I am a child of God, but I'm sorry. I've sinned against you. Has it been a season since you've done that in a healthy way before God? Or maybe when you see this word, you just say, you know what, God brings to, to my mind three or four different names of people, honestly, that I just need to forgive. I need to let them go. I need to release them. And so um, the band's going to play, and the host, if you want to come forward and start distributing the elements, that would be great. And again, I just want to encourage you, would you pray through this? And would you just ask God, Lord, is there one area of this, just one area where you would have me go this morning, where your spirit would lead me? So, Lord, we pray now that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us in this place. Father, point us to where you want us to be this morning. We pray this in your name.